News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, and welcome to Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas, glad to be with you this morning, and I'm with me, of course, like always, Real Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Now, Jill, you're on the phone with us, kind of, kind of coming to us from home. Uh, but, uh, hey, we've got all the answers here for you. So if you're listening right now and you want to join the conversation, Jill and Rick are here to take your calls. one 332 8255 Of course, Jill, you kind of lean towards the – everybody seems to know everything anyways, both of you. But uh, <laughs> but Jill leans towards the house plants and the, and the perennials and, and uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm more Fundamentals is my expertise. And Rick is your your tree and shrub guy, mostly. And bugs and, and bugs. bugs and lawn care and yeah. all that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. So if you've got questions about something that, that uh, went wrong in your yard this yep. year, you want to get it fixed for next year, something's happening with your indoor house plants. Uh, you got bugs all over the place. Yep. We can help you out with that. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Well today, yeah, my Christmas trees are being loaded up. What? Coming from the east. So they'll be here Wednesday. Holy smoke. So it's that time. I mean, it's after Remembrance Day, and now it's time. I saw my first Christmas tree in somebody's window. You know, I saw... <laughs> yes, last night. Last night. Oh, I've got you beat. A week ago, oh, I saw a week one. Ago. Yeah, no, I saw the, it last night. The day after... <laughs> the day after yep. Uh, Halloween? Yep. First of November, there was a Christmas tree up in a front window on my street. Well, you know what? Our, our season is pretty short. So, I mean, some people just, you know, they, they, a lot of people are, they do parties, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, They have parties in their house or they have, you know, they're going to be away for Christmas or whatever. So they want to enjoy it early and we get that. I have I have my fireplace mantle decorated for Christmas already, <laughs> but I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my live Christmas tree because I don't want to put that one up too early, but I do get a live tree every year. Call yep. me Scrooge, but you know, I kind of think, and it has to do with the retail world and I get it, yep. but I kind of think there should be a no season season. <laughs> like this Christmas, oh, no such thing. does Christmas really have to start on the, you know, the day after Remembrance Day? To yes, me, it sure does. Oh, come on. No, that day. To me, December 1st, we can start talking about Christmas, you know, no. putting stuff up. There could be a no season season. Yeah, no. no, but that doesn't no, exist. No. Doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge McDuck here. Yes, yeah, Scrooge. I vote you out. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Rick, if we get in the, if the Christmas trees are coming into the yep. garden center, yes, are they going to be up for sale right away? Or yep. when when are they going? Yeah, up? we get people waiting for them. Okay, so because the same thing, businesses, parties, all that kind of stuff, they want to have the tree up and and they want to get going. Now, when you're putting it up a live Christmas tree that early, then you're 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 pushing the limit right on a live christmas well, tree. that was my next question yeah. is is can you really make it last from it's, a week from now yeah, all it, the way till christmas we sell mostly at the, when that early we sell mostly fraser furs uh because they tend to last the longest okay and uh so people put them that early and then they're still pushing it they're still pushing it because you just got to make sure yeah you, you never run out of water right they make a nice fresh cut you always got a christmas tree preservative in the water all the time so yep. it keeps the pores open 
And you could also spray them with wilt proof as well yep. before and, you bring them inside. And, and also, yeah, using the wilt proof or, or Foley Guard, another name for it, and you spray it onto the needles and it basically puts a wax coating on the needles. Oh, like a wax yeah, coating. It seals the moisture. And, and so, so they don't transpire, right? So they don't lose the moisture out of the needles. That works if you're doing it a long time too. We use that product for when we're moving trees and we have to move them when the leaves are on and, but we have to move them and it just, it just doesn't stress them so bad. So when so, you, when you use that product, do you want to stand the tree up outside, spray it and kind of let it yep, set? Yeah, in the garage or whatever. Right. Just not up against your car. Yeah. And it can't be really, <laughs> Fresh coat really of wax. cold either when you're doing that product as well. So it can't it be really cold. Be, yes. No. Yeah, it's a liquid. Exactly. Okay, yeah. okay. So you basically have to have it in yeah. some place kind of warm, yeah. but you don't want to do this right in the middle of your living room because it's kind of going to go everywhere. But in the last couple of years also, the people have been buying early because they come from out of town or whatever. They come in to pick up a tree and uh, because they're in town, and they just want to make sure that like, other past years they've missed out and haven't got the tree that they wanted, mm. right? Because yeah, we've been sold out of trees by around the 5th of December every year so far. So. Yeah, the 5th of December. Well, a little bit late, about the 10th. Between the 5th and the 10th. Well, they're, we're getting slim pickings after I the 5th. I would say slim pickings after the 5th. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so, so i got a couple of questions. The first is, A, uh, so they're coming from the east. I yep. would have thought they'd come from B.C. No, because uh, the, the ones that last the longest, you're looking at Fraser firs and balsam firs. Yeah. And B.C., you're sitting mostly Douglas firs. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so if you're getting balsam or Fraser's, then you're going down into Montana and Washington and that kind of stuff. But, oh. uh, but, uh, it's, it's type of soils and the type of growing conditions, everything else, the length of, you know, where Christmas tree growers, where the, where the, where the weather's a little bit longer, season's a bit longer. Yep. So you're looking Ontario, Quebec, that kind of stuff, where's the, where the, where the big, big Christmas tree farms are. Like they're growing millions of them, right? right so, right. so speaking of big, that was my next question: is you do get some very tall trees in, not as many as the yep, regular that's right. six footer sort yep. of thing, and right? It's, that's tougher to find. Like right. in the last bunch of years, so because I think the biggest size tree we carry is a twelve to thirteen foot tree. Yeah, it's about ten to twelve now. They call it. Yeah. 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 So if, if can somebody pre-order a tree right now? Can they yeah, come into have, the garden center? We've had people that pre-order a tree, yes. So like you're going to get so many. Yeah. So somebody listening right now could go, oh, well, I, w- but, I want an eight-foot tree. Yeah. Uh, to make sure you get one, you could go into Dutch Growers and but, prepay for but it. But the thing is, is that because we, in our store, in our own personal store, we have, we have the trees opened up. So people come to our store because they like to pick the tree. Yeah. Right, not have one that's all tied up. But right? but if you want an eight foot one, that might be the only way you're going to get yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, we'll have some eight foot ones. Uh, the, the biggest the biggest problem right now is the is the five to seven foots. Okay, that's where the shortage is, and it's uh, it's crazy right now. It's like I I got last I get I I because I'm a long term customer. Mm-hmm. I get what I've ordered in the previous years, but I can't add to it. Oh. I couldn't. I couldn't add to it. In fact, I got substituted, so there was less Fraser furs, so I was given more balsam furs. But they always give me some same numbers because I'm a long-term customer. <laughs> but they, they, it, it's crazy, and that's all over the place. And uh, and and it was even on CTV. The prices have all gone up this year because of the shortages, or even shortages of Christmas tree stands. Really? Because of the whole the whole thing with you know supply chain, right? I suppose one so, way around that, and we've talked about this in previous garden talk years, is that you know there's going to be a time when uh, the forest will open up around Prince, Al- Prince Albert National Park. Exactly. So you can do the old Griswold family Christmas. Uh, that's a lot just of fun. don't forget the axe, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, right. It's a great family outing. 
And yeah, you just make sure you check with the, you know, with the provincial government of where you can go. You know, you can't obviously go, you know, down the street and cut your neighbor's tree down. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there, but there will be a places in the yeah. PA National Park where you can go for a road trip yeah. and you can. Well, they have places where they've, they've gone and they've, uh, they've cut out in the past bunch of years, if you go up to PA, McPhee Lake, all that kind of stuff up yep. there, they've cut, they protected the villages and the towns by thinning the forest out. Yeah. And now there's new trees growing up. They grow up very quickly, right? And so they're allowed to go in those areas because they want to keep them open uh, for the fire to protect from fires because they want to let the provincial park to burn, mm-hmm. okay? But they don't want the, they want to protect the the buildings, right? Correct. So they allow people to go into those those areas where they've clear-cutted, not really clear-cutted, they've thinned the forest out, and you're allowed to go into there and cut trees out of there. Yeah, interesting. So that's going to probably come up again this year. Yep. So when we when we find and, and out, and you don't even need to go that far. If you're in northern Saskatchewan, you go you know up around Duck Lake, and there's place there's provincial forests around there where you can get you know permits or get permission to go into those areas, and also down by uh, the Cypress Hills. Right. There's places down down south that you can go to. So. So now, one of the things I will mention, when you're bringing a live Christmas tree into your home, they are an evergreen plant, and a lot of times they will have a little bit of spider mite on them. Yep. So it is important that if you have house plants in the area around your Christmas tree, just move them away from that area oh. um, just for, for Christmas time, because I don't want you to get spider mite on your house plants. Yep. All right. Good idea. Good to know. And Jill, we've got like the boughs and stuff for, you know, for, for decorating with. That's all coming in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm um, in the process of hauling my pots into my garage right now so that they can thaw enough so that I can get my Christmas greens in. But everything from cedar to juniper, um, Douglas fir, silver silver fir, white pine. Um, we have some hemlock, um, some juniper with little blueberries on it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy the different varieties are able to get some incense cedar, which is like a cedar that has like these little gold flecks and almost looks like beads on the end. Um, we have curly willow, we have dogwood in all sorts of sizes and colors. It's it's really fun to be able to decorate your front front porch with that and really change out your containers seasonally. And then you could add with that, people. a lot of people have dogwoods in their backyard, right? They could do out there and do a little bit of pruning. And sure. add some twigs from your own backyard right into into the into your arrangements, and so uh, yeah, yeah the, even people have pieces of juniper, you know, that have gotten right over top of the sidewalk, and go trim a piece of that off and and put them into your container too. So a lot of you can add to that you have just right in your yard as well. Right. I'm looking at right now at my mountain ash with some nice red berries on it right now, and that's a that would be a nice thing. Just cut mm-hmm. some of that off and stick yeah. it in my pot. Not only do you guys get the like the the loose. Uh, boughs that you can take and make your own creation with. You also get some already put together wreaths and centerpieces yeah. and all kinds of stuff too with that are made with these amazing live greens too, right? So if you're thinking you're uh, down on your skills with uh, with arranging, uh, there's live live arrangements you can also get, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, and that's a great way that you can bring that fresh smell of Christmas and maybe you have an artificial tree that you want to add some nice cedar smells, you can bring those fresh things in with a wreath or a, a vase with some boughs in it or something, a centerpiece in your in your table, and that will bring that fresh smell of Christmas indoors. Yeah. There again, if you want those, you're putting up those kind of things this early, especially a wreath and you're facing south and using that Foley guard on before you decorate yeah. your, your wreath, that's the best way to make it last the longest, especially if you're facing south or west or whatever you're facing your your door. All right, let's take a quick, quick break. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, you can text us, one 332 8255 You can use that same number to give us a call as well. We'll be back with more on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. 
Welcome back to Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. I know it's technically still fall right now. We haven't even officially hit winter, but it might as well be winter, you know, where we where we live right now. It's pretty well, much a winter wonderland around Saskatchewan. There's not much energy from that sun right now. No. The sun comes up. <laughs> I can always tell it. Our, our house face is directly east, right? Out in out by the in out south of town. Okay. And so when it comes up in, in I can't see the sun rises way over to the north, right? Mm-hmm. The northeast. But this time of the year, it comes directly up in front of our house. Really? And when it comes up, it just, it's, yeah, usually our house is like really warm from the sun, you know, from the windows and (laughs) that. And this time of the year, you don't get much energy coming in through the windows. I don't know about you guys, but I'm also noticing too that uh, that sun isn't up for very long. It's like, oh, it's 5.30. It's just about dark, you know? And the last couple of mornings... Uh, there's been a whole bunch of these sun dogs. Like oh, the, yesterday, yeah. there was like two sets of sun dogs yes. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so. The cold and the yep. bright sun in the, yep. in the blue sky. So, yep. exactly. Uh, we got a text that's come, come in. So, let's go to our text line at 1 332 8255. This is uh, from not sure who, but says, I bought fall bulbs, didn't get them into the ground. Yep. How do I pot them up so they'll bloom over winter? Do they go in the fridge or freezer for a period of time first? Not, fr- not freezer. Not the freezer. Put them in the fridge. Yeah. So, so what you want to do is you want to put them through cold storage for about six to eight weeks, um, and that will help reset them and almost give them a false winter. And then you can plant them up. The other thing that you can do is if you want to keep them in storage until next spring, you can pot them up into little four-inch pots or six-inch pots and put three to a pot and then put them into a cold storage area that way and then bring them out when you want them to bloom, and they'll bloom about four, four weeks after you bring them out. And some of the varieties can be up to 12 weeks. Right, yeah. so some of the varieties. So you just wa- watch for that too, because some of the varieties, yeah, it's twelve weeks. And but if you put them in the fridge now, you know, twelve weeks doesn't take long before you know you bring them out in basically the end of March type of thing, out of the cooler and out of your refrigerator, and then put them in the sun, and then you'll have uh, forced blooms once they finish blooming, and just treat them like a house plant after that. And then in the spring, around you know after you know the long weekend in May when the frost is gone. Plant them outside where you normally would want to plant them, and um, away you go. Now, you can take a pot, Jill, right? You can take a pot. A lot of people take a six-inch pot, and they'll put, like, four bulbs in a pot, right? So they'll have more of a, a showing rather than just one one flower sticking out of a pot. Uh, mm-hmm. Or or you can put them in single pots if you want to, if you want to uh, plant them in specific places around the yard afterwards. But most people like to plant them in groupings anyways. So if you put even three in a pot and then you can take your six-inch pot, put three in a pot, uh, then you can plant them in different parts. Uh, three bulbs. I you- wouldn't, when I'm planting them in a pot, I put them about a finger width yep. um, with the part. Just make sure they're not touching. And they don't need to be in very big pots. The pot itself just needs to be about a finger width away from the edge of the pot, too. So you can put quite a few into into smaller pots as well. Yeah, it might be better if you're going to put them in a the fridge and won't take up so much room. Exactly. So, yeah. And there is one rule when a, a bulb is going to a fridge, right? Do not put them with citrus or apples or things, the different um, vegetables and fruits that give off an ethylene gas. It's really important you do that or else you will have those plants that grow up but they're not going to bloom for you. So you want to put the bulbs into the beer fridge. Yeah, beer not, or mm-hmm. pop fridge, or whatever pop you have. Fridge, yeah. whatever you got. You got? The, the, the wine the ex- cooler. The extra fridge you have in the garage, right? Right, the wine cooler, yeah. whatever it is, that it, it doesn't have fruits and vegetables into it, right? Yeah. Freezers. We're now going to call that the bulb fridge. <laughs> the bulb fridge. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, that's what we have right now at Prairie Land Exhibition. It's asked there is a huge they have a big huge beer fridge like it's, yes. it's a big it's a walk-in one right yeah and right now because that's what they use for right now it's full of racks 
Like they have rolling racks, yeah. like they have in the greenhouses, and they're full of bulbs right now, and they're cooling, cooling right now, uh, and and for for a gardenscape for next spring. Really? Yep. It's full. Awesome. It's a big, pretty big fridge too. It's it's a big walk-in, not a small walk-in cooler. It's a big one, and it's full of these racks. Wow. Awesome. Good to see. Pretty cool. Uh, If you're wanting to do research about um, how to do this, it is called forcing your bulbs. So if you look that up on the internet, how to force your bulbs, that's the right terminology to be able to figure out how long or or how long to to put them in that cooling space. Yep. Forcing bulbs. Okay. Uh, Another text is rolled in. This is from Ray, who's in Saskatoon. Uh, He says, hi, what's a good fruit tree that does not get diseases like apples or cherries? Our yard is surrounded with wild choke cherries, and we live on sand. Uh, Oh. Oaks do great, but there's no fruit there, of course. <laughs> and, Rick, and Rick is stumped. I'm, what? Tr- I'm trying to think of the name of that artificial tree that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> A plastic <laughs> one? <laughs> no, there's... there's um, uh, in, in the trees, probably the ones that get the, that I've seen in my, in my time of pruning and everything else, probably the pear. I've seen less problems with it, but they can, okay. they can get fire blight. Um, the apricots, the plums can get uh, uh, a virus in them. The apples can get fire blight in them. Um, there yeah. is there is a little bit of a trick to, to avoid this, to this, avoid getting just keeping diseases. them pruned and cleaned. Right, like keeping them pruned and keeping them keeping branches from having you know rubbing bra- rubbing spots on them. Any places that uh, keeping them pruned, old wood pruned out of them, keep them more juvenile. You know, you'll you'll keep them on, especially the sour cherries and those kind of things, right? Um, but otherwise, there's even Saskatoons, can, they'll they'll get on the fruit, they can get a fungal, right? right? So there's there's not too many, and you'll get even things like the red red currants. You know, okay, you'll get the little worm in the berries. Uh, so there's you just have to, yeah, you have to learn how to, you know, in your area, how to take care of them and everything else. And, and you say pear is one of those ones that probably has, you know, fewer problems. Uh, of all the ones I've seen, uh, you know, the the fruit is, you got to get the right variety. The new varieties are a little better to eat. The old varieties were like hockey pucks, you know, like are hard. My, you know? my father-in-law's got a pear tree in his backyard and it doesn't make many pears. Oh yeah, sometimes they have buckets and buckets. But like the warm. ones that he does get, I've tried one, it's amazing. Yep. The taste is yep. like uncomparable to the fruit you get in the store so. so there's some new ones out there uh, out there that you can get and uh, they will I'm just, the names are all going out of my head right now but uh, <laughs> uh, but early gold and and, um, and early sunrise uh, I think there's there's a couple other new ones out there that are and there's also some new um, ornamental ones that don't have the fruit mm, right the pears are beautiful trees there's so many flowers on them the shape of them are beautiful yeah it's a beautiful tree Yes, but go. it does give you a lot of fruit, and some people don't want that much fruit. They, they <laughs> give you a lot. The biggest thing with uh, disease, and, disease and pest resistance is keep your tree healthy, yeah. Yeah. and those pests are less likely. So make sure you're watering regularly if yep. needed. It's a nice sandy area, he said, so keeping irrigation on those trees and making sure that they're fertilized as well yep. will definitely help your tree support it better and keep it disease and pest free. Yep. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We've got a news update for everybody right now. Uh, then we're going to continue with the garden talk. If you've got a question just like Ray in Saskatoon or our bulb question, one 332 8255 Join the conversation by phone or by text. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. We were talking a little bit before Rick uh, last week about pruning. We should talk a little bit more about it though, too. Is if we still have time, we can get out and prune some stuff. Beautiful weather. I mean, it's. I mean, other than the cold, 
cold, cold we yeah. had. But I mean, this next week around Saskatchewan, we're supposed to get up around Wednesday into you know the you know to the like plus. No, not plus. Minus five, <laughs> minus six, minus seven. Yeah. Those are beautiful days to go out. And as long as there's not too much wind, you can get out there and do some pruning. And lots of your fruit trees can be pruned yet. Your shrubs can be pruned. Uh, your nine barks, your dogwoods, your potentillas, spireas, all that kind of stuff. Because not too much snow if you didn't get it blowed in. I mean, some places have got... I have drifts in my yard. And yes. I've got places in the other places in my yard where there's... is. I had, like, yesterday I was out throwing snow on top of some of my hydrangeas. Because the snow had blown right away, and I didn't. It's too cold. I wanted to get snow on top of my hydrangeas. Right. You know, with this being this cold, this quick, and so yeah, I was piling snow on top of my plants. So there's lots of places you can go out and do pruning or cleaning up or covering up plants, all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Exactly. Jill, I wanted to talk about. Uh, I think you know. Let's talk about some of the Christmas, the indoor Christmas plants, because you know we talked about the cedar boughs and things like that. But there's a whole bunch of other plants that people associate with you know Christmas time. And yeah, they're absolutely. arriving, right? Yeah, they are. So we have um, the beautiful poinsettia. I think that's the most traditional of all the um, of the Christmas plants. So the poinsettia. And what people don't know about them is the red um, bracts or leaves on the plants is actually not the flower. The flower is actually the little center piece inside that. They almost have little beads. And uh, they open up and they start turning yellow color. So when you're picking the perfect poinsettia, you want to make sure you have nice red bracts. Um, right, at, right down to the base, you have... Um, some green bracts right down to the bottom. If they are bare at the bottom, it means they've been grown really close together. Oh, okay. Um, and then in the, in the center, you want to look at those beads and make sure they're not fully open because that means that that, that flower is just starting. Your plant's going to last a lot longer, too. If they're, if they're um, just tight, if they're tight and closed, that's what you really want to pick a point set of this. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Right. Uh, another thing that we're starting to do with our poinsettia plants, when you go into the garden center, we used to have them in like these nice big decorative sleeves around them and they, they would kind of look nice and showy, almost like you're, you're framing your poinsettia plant. We've actually taken those off of our poinsettias, um, cause we find that the poinsettia gives off an ethylene gas and that gas just be with it being enclosed in that paper sleeve or that plastic sleeve. It A, is holding a little bit too much moisture after we water, and B, it's keeping that ethylene gas inside there, and those leaves are actually going to drop, and they're not going to get sunlight down there. So we take those off, and then we can add them on um, for decorative for the customer afterwards. So when you go into the store and you see the some of the poinsettias bare, that's because we want to make sure that we're we're adding to the longevity of that poinsettia. I, I guess that's now, a good sorry, a good, good thing to talk about, too, right now, is just how you're taking care of that poinsettia. You know, when you, when you come home, that tinfoil hat on the bottom is there. Is making sure yeah. it's not drowning, right? Yep. Right, because remember that that hat doesn't have any drainage in it. So if you want to transplant into a pot with some drainage, then that's another thing. Poinsettias are native to countries like um, like Mexico and, and, and places that have a lot of drought. So making sure you're sticking your finger into that soil and making sure it's dry to the touch before you're watering it. It is grown in a soilless mix, so it is going to drain through quite quickly. So every day, just doing that little finger touch, sticking your finger into the soil about an inch or two down and seeing when it's dry to the touch, that's when it's time to water. And then when you do water your plant thoroughly through the bottom, then take take the, your, your plant and tip it by the sink and just drain all the excess water that's in that little foil out. Or if you have a dish, if you have a tray, if you have, don't have a foil and you just have it sitting on a dish, don't let it sit in the water afterwards. Just drain the excess water off and your plant will last way longer. Yeah. So Rick is talking about bottom watering. So if he's watering from the bottom or watering it in that hat, pouring the water in there and then emptying the excess water after about five, ten minutes. Right, so right. That's, that's really important. I guess we have um, other plant- I was going to say, but you remember that, you know, that, that these things grow in a place like Mexico, Chile, you know, uh, Central yeah. to South America, and that it is so humid 
right? Where they, where they yeah. normally exist. Yep. So it's uh, maintaining the moisture is important, not too dry, not too wet, but a consistent is yep. going to keep that plant looking the best, right? Absolutely. And watching for those areas, a lot of times we keep it in a nice warm area, but if it's near a fireplace, it might dry out because that air is being so dry there. Too. Right. So just sort of watch those things in your home, the environmental things. Is it near a door? Is there a draft coming in through a window or a door? Is Maybe some of the bracts are turning a sort of black color, and that's usually a sign from it being too cold. So maybe it's too close to a window that it's getting too cold. So um, those are things to watch with your indoor plants. Um, other great Christmas plants that are coming in, um, we're seeing a lot of the cypress trees, which are like little mini Christmas trees that you can grow indoors in your home. Um, the lime ones are my favorite. A lot of people have been making them into Grinch trees, so wrapping them with a little bit of wire and then putting a heavy ornament on the end so that it sort of tips over and tips looks over. a little bit Dr. Susie. <laughs> Yep. Um, that's a cute thing to be able to do, even if you have like a, a, a small area or a small table where you don't maybe have room for a Christmas tree or maybe a retirement home. Um, those cypress trees are a nice way that you can uh, you can sort of decorate a smaller area and still have that Christmas tree look. How about a Norfolk pine, Jill? So if you want to, yeah, Norfolk pines are great house plants. Um, you want to make sure that in the winter time uh, you are um, keeping them moist enough and then also misting them as well every once in a while. Like Again, we have very hot, very dry homes in the wintertime. Yes. Putting a pebble tray nearby or a humidifier um, and then missing them is really important. And then sometimes what I'll do is I'll take um, maybe a stem of berries, uh, artificial berries, and they usually have a piece, they're usually wired. So then I'll take the little berries off, but keep the wire attached, and then I'll kind of wrap them around the stem so I have almost like little decorations all over my little Norfolk pine to keep for Christmas time. Awesome. So, of course, there's yeah. even more, right? There's like Christmas cactus and... Christmas cactus, the amaryllis bulb yep. is really popular, and getting all different types of colors and sizes. The bigger the bulb, the bigger the flower you're going to get. Um, but there's also wax varieties that don't even need to be in soil. They can just sit on a desk. Great teacher's gifts even. Um, so there's... There really is, like, we're coming up with a lot more varieties of plants that we are bringing indoors seasonally for the holidays. Okay, perfect. Uh, let's take a let's take a gander over to our text line in a second. But first, we're going to go to our phones. We've got uh, Ken, who's going to join us from Awoda. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Good morning. So you want to talk about rhubarb? Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if, if it's too late to plant the rhubarb or... Uh or strawberries? No, raspberries. I mean, if if the ground is protected with the mulch and the snow covering and it's not frozen. Yeah, if if they've if you've have them outside and they're dormant still, right? You haven't had them in a greenhouse where there's still green leaves, right? No, they're outside. They're outside, so they're dormant. Absolutely, put them in the ground, plant them, take a little bit of a pail of water out there, give them a little bit of watering in. Okay. Okay. And uh, then throw some snow over top of them or mulch over top of them. Uh-huh. And to protect them and absolutely plant them. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. If the ground's not frozen, do it. They'll take off in the spring, eh? Not a problem. Yeah. There okay, you go. Great. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thanks, Happy Ken. Happy winter, you guys. <laughs> yeah, you too. Take care. Yeah. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. Okay, let's go to one text that's rolled in. I've got a couple, of actually, to talk about. But this is from Les in Corning, who's one of our regulars. He says, I save the centers of brown-eyed Susies and dry them into seeds. Will the seeds grow next spring, and when do I plant them? Yeah, they definitely, uh, um, you can plant them. I would probably plant uh, the brown-eyed Susies in maybe February, get them going indoors, yeah, and absolutely. then you can plant them outside. 
because um, they just have to take a little bit longer to germinate. Um, when you're germinating, then make sure that you put them into a container and have uh, high heat on the on the bottom of the soil temperatures and then high humidity just until they get germinating. And then once you start seeing about um, a, a set of leaves, a full set of leaves come out, make sure you take those humidity domes off or take them out of your humidity tent and then you'll have a lot better success in them not being stretched. So definitely plant them up in February. Um, it's the best time to, to get them going so that you'll have now, some blooming for you. When Jill's season. talking about the high the heat on the bottom, yep. uh, you can buy seed mats that fit underneath your, your 10, 10, 10 inches by 20 inch trays that you use for bedding plants and that kind of stuff. Right, yeah. And you can set right on top of that and you can plug them in and they'll keep it warm. You will get a higher percentage of germination quicker with that than you will with no heat on the bottom at all. Most commercial growers have bottom heat for all their seed germinating uh, tents. Gotcha. Okay. One more uh, text is rolled in from Pat in Saskatoon Garden talking, you repeat what you would uh, spray your Christmas tree with, and it is called... Foliguard or wilt-proof. Wilt-proof yeah. or wilt, foliguard? Wilt-proof is probably what you'll see around mostly. Okay. It's called wilt-proof. Yeah. And it's yep. a waxy spray. And it, it comes either, you can get it in a concentrate or a ready-to-use spray bottle. There you go. Okay. And can, you can use that on your greens or you can use them on your um, your trees outside. If you're getting a lot of browning on your, your cedars and, and evergreens. For wintertime, yep. Too. Yeah. yeah. Just, 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 do you want to talk a little bit about that? Just have to make sure you pick a day that it's around zero to spray them outside. And... Um, uh, then you can spray them, and it will keep them so that they'll 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 won't desiccate so much. Instead of using the burlap, let's say on a cedar, you can put this on it as well. All right, can you believe that there's a text here for me? Wow, that's <laughs> a surprise. Is it about cars? <laughs> no, it's not a car question. <laughs> so we're going to get to Pat's text in a moment, and Laura has texted us about uh, talking about succulents. So okay. we'll, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back in a moment with more of Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, here we are, the very last segment of Garden Talk already. Can't believe how fast it's flying by. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke, and I actually got a text. I can't believe this. This is so surprising. This is Pat in Saskatoon says, this is for Jay. Why are my orchid leaves drooping and wrinkling? Watering once a week and let the water run through. Have liquid fertilizer in the water. It's an east and south facing window. So, you know what? I, I, I got to call on you guys because... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm so, flattered. Okay, let's, let's just go. What, what kind of, what kind of uh, direction of light do you have from yours? For me, uh, it's a south-facing window. So yep. it's mine's on a coffee table, yep. not too close to the window. It's in the middle of the so room. You get bright, you got bright light coming in, but not direct sunlight. Uh, yeah, and it could yep. be direct at times. Yep. It may be sort of direct at times, yep. but it's not near the window. So okay. I'm wondering if it, maybe it's a cold thing. Okay, Jill. It, I think it actually might be what kind of potting media it's in. Okay. So, um, she's watering it regularly, but it sounds like it, either, it might be holding too much moisture in there. And since she's getting the wrinkling on the leaves there, it's almost like it's holding too much moisture. A lot of times when you buy an orchid, it comes packed very tightly in a moss mixture. Yep. And that's mostly for transportation so it doesn't knock over and fall into in your stores. And it's also a great media for propagating your plants in. But it's not the great, the best media for you to be able to grow it um, for a long time. And so I would suggest if you haven't already, grab a bag of orchid media, which actually is more like bark, perlite, um, even some of those um, 
uh, sort of volcanic um, um, bulbs in there. Um, you can sort of mix that in there, and then you can do your watering. Um, it's going to drain a little bit better. Remember, orchids have air roots on them, so if you pop them out of that pot, sort of dunk it in water up and down until it loosens all that soil on there. And if you look at the roots, if the roots are like turning sort of a brown or black color, that's because of overwatering. If your roots are shriveling up and turning sort of a whitish color, that's because you're underwatering. So right. looking at those roots is really going to tell you what's going on. Um, looking at the leaf, it's basically when you see something happen to the leaf, um, it's going to be a direct re- correlation to what's happening to the roots as well. And like, so mine, uh, just to reference what you're talking about, mine is in the, mm-hmm. the, bulk, the bark mulch, the yep. proper yep. media that it should be in. Uh, Pat, I, I, I water and fertilize, I, I do fertilize it every time I water it. I do that once every two or three weeks though. So like, the mine only gets watered, you know, three weeks, sometimes even a month. It goes that long, and I might I might add just a few drops of water to the top of it in between times, yeah. and that depends but on humidity, the house, and exactly, else too, exactly. Right? So every it, house is different. So it, it is possible that it's you know it's getting too much water with this, right? Like you said, Jill, and you'll and, see the roots will be a bit mushy, and you can when you t- wash them all your all your other soil off it at the sink, yeah. Then you'll just pull those uh, those you'll clip those all those mushy roots off. You know you don't want them there. I've also noticed in reference to the leaves too that I've had to trim my the leaves in the bottom of mine is that as it pushes new leaves out the top, yep. the bottom leaves that are closest to the bottom they do expire eventually right like it grows new ones at the top the bottom ones are have to be dropped off so it needs it does need trimming from time to time i've i've trimmed a couple bottom leaves off because they get so shaded by the top leaves that they really don't get any more sun and they just sort of kind of and 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 as the plant grows and then you go into a different size pot you get an orchid type pot which has bigger holes in the bottom right okay and then you also then when you replant you get rid of all the soil that's on the roots so you go basically bare root and then you put them into new new soil again. Yep, every time, yep, right? Every time. Absolutely, and you always want to repot your orchid when it's not blooming. It's the best time to do yeah, it. Yeah, when, when, is, when is that? Because mine just never stops. Like <laughs> well, then you might want to do it just kind of, if yours never stopping, um, I would just not ruffle the roots as much because those blooms are going to fall off if you disturb exactly, the roots. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. My, uh, my crazy orchid right now has grown a single stem up, and it's branched off, that single brack has branched off Four. <laughs> Lots of blooms. Four separate ones. I counted. They're not all open yet. There's about three that have opened now. There will be 26 flowers on it. Now you have a philanopsis. Yes, a yes. white yep. philanopsis. Yep. A boring old white philanopsis. But Lots of flowers. Beautiful, Boy, does it ever go. <laughs> okay. Jay the orchid expert. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> just Jay, the guy with a lucky orchid. That's all. <laughs> one or the other. One or the other. Let's go to our text line, one 332 8255 This is from Laura in Saskatoon. Good morning. What's the best? way to propagate a succulent, specifically zebra and blue oh, echeveria. That's my best yeah, guess at the... Yeah, you it right. Oh, cool. The Good. Echeveria. So there's a few ways that you can propagate a succulent. Um, first one is just taking off the lem, the, 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 the leaves, sorry, um, and you want to break them off so that they come off right at the stem. And then you just set them on, on soil and you want them to callus over. And you'll actually see once they calloused over, they will get little tiny hair roots along the edge and then you'll get little baby succulents that come off of those. So that's one way to do it. The other way, so that's the only way to do the, the zebra plant, um, or the, um, the echeveria. You can also cut the top off and repropagate it same way, callous it over and then stick it into soil. 
And uh, you can propagate it from the stem that way as well, too. So if your echeveria has got long and lanky like they usually do in the wintertime when they're reaching for the sunlight, you can cut it, lock it off, um, callus it over, and then stick it in some soil, and uh, and it will root that way. Where do you put it to callus over? Uh, you can just put it, um, just even lay it on some soil, put it on a windowsill, lay it on some uh, some paper towel on your counter. Um, it doesn't really need need anything. It just needs yep. the it needs the air just to callus it over. Okay. There you go. I know other succulents. I not specifically those ones, but other ones I've had. I've had no trouble with like jade plants, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. Just simply cutting off a branch and then sticking that branch in the soil. Yes, and you, you got a whole new plant with the jades. Yeah, it just um, it's, it grows it's very a whole new one. Similar to like your your wandering wandering dude, um, any of those uh, type plants, you just cut them off, stick them into soil, and uh, the succulents will propagate. It's just important with succulents that you don't keep that soil too too moist yep. um, while you're propagating it because they will rot that way too. So you want to keep them have some moisture in it, but not wet wet like you would a normal like um, hardwood cutting. Well, that is pretty much it for the show. Can you believe it? Here we are. It's the very end. Wow. Anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, if you're out there getting getting your some pruning do it, going, go for it. Do it. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, that's, there's time for that. Just, just now you don't want to do birches and maples anymore. Right. Okay. Okay. So avoid those. Otherwise, yeah. thank you for joining us. We'll see you same time, same place next weekend here on Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. Thanks for listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.